Our scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 10, 25 through 28. Hear the word of the Lord. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Join me in prayer. Holy living God, um, we just thank you for your presence in this church and this present in our lives. God, as I um, get ready to speak, I ask that you set me aside as your servant, God, that your words speak through me and fill this congregation. God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading is one that we've all heard before. We know the story, or one similar to it. Some law expert questions Jesus. Oftentimes, they try to trick or catch Jesus at fault. But Jesus, in his wit, replies in such a way that no one can combat or argue a word that he says. You know, it's kind of like when your children try to question you, and in your response, you say, it's because I said so. Except Jesus' response was a bit more logical than that. Nevertheless, he would teach the lawyers a lesson and continue on about his day. However, the gospel of Luke is the only gospel that expresses a civil conversation between the lawyer and Jesus. See, in this conversation, Jesus still engages the lawyer as an equal. When asked how one must gain eternal life, Jesus replies by saying, asking two simple questions. The first one is, Jesus asks, well, you're the lawyer, so how do you interpret the law? And the second is, what is the law written? The law expert um, begins to repeat two laws found in Deuteronomy and one found in Leviticus. And those two verses combined give us the lawyer's interpretation. Jesus agrees with what the lawyer is saying and he responds by saying, do this and you will live. I love this passage. It's so simple for us to understand that we are called to love God and we are called to love our neighbors. But what I think is missing and something that we don't necessarily find in the passage is how we are to love God and how we are to love our neighbors. We are at the end of our sermon series, Three Simple Rules, which is John Wesley's guidelines for us to be better Christians. Elaine started us off with 
Rule number one, do no harm. Carlos last week kind of explained to us a little bit about doing good, rule number two. And today we will be talking about staying in love with God and our neighbors. But what exactly does that look like? These are photos of the Fishers. In 2008, Hubert and Zelmyra Fisher broke the Guinness's world record for being married the longest time, a whopping 87 years. They exchanged their vows on May 13, 1924. Sadly, Hubert passed away at the age of 105 in 2011. And just two years later, Zelmyra also passed away at the age of 105. These two lived a long life together. In fact, they even grew up together as best friends. Before their death, the two, along with other long-lasting couples, were interviewed on their secrets to true, everlasting love. You'd be shocked to find their answers surprisingly simple. One couple explains that every night before bed, they would apologize to one another to ensure that no one went to bed angry. One wife says that every Sunday, she would simply make her husband his favorite meal for lunch. A husband suggests that he and his wife sought intentional efforts to spend every moment they could together. See, none of these couples described a large methodical process that they had to follow to keep their love alive. They explained simple actions, simple things that they did for one another. It was in the small things that led to a lifetime of love. These words are true for any relationship, a marriage, a friendship, companionship of all kinds, really. But most importantly, we should strive to apply these concepts to our relationship with God. We live in such a fast-paced world, we're all constantly on the go. There are so many things out there that can draw our attention and cause us to lose focus of God. Life's distractions often hinder us from developing relationships with God that we so desperately need. But it's important to develop those relationships because as we continue to include God in our everyday lives here on earth, life becomes more exciting. There's a passion stirred up in us. It's easier to hear what God may be saying to us. And we no longer have to struggle to find ways to love those we find hard to love. There is no large methodical process to, fall, to falling in love with God or to stay in love with God. It's about the small, simple practices or spiritual disciplines. We all know the basic things, things like prayer, reading and studying scripture, fasting, being in Christian fellowship with one another, like going to church, going to Sunday school, and going to weekly church functions. These disciplines are central to our life as faithful, as faithful followers of God. Once we become more consistent in these practices, we become more in contact with the presence and power of Christ, then we, transi- then we transition to a period of living as faithful disciples. 
One scholar puts it like this. Spiritual discipline teaches us to live in harmony with something larger than ourselves and larger than that which the world values as ultimate. Spiritual discipline is how we stay in love with God. It is in the small things we do that lead to a lifetime of love. Once our love is steadfast for God in those disciplines and grace, the love will automatically begin to overflow into love for our neighbor. Now let's talk about who our neighbor might be. It's important to note that in our passage, we find the story of the Good Samaritan. Through the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus illustrates who our neighbor is, not just the neighbors that we share similar um, street names with, but Jesus tells us our neighbor are those people in the world, everyone, including those we may not like or those we disagree with. Those are our neighbors. We hear it all the time, love thy neighbor. But what does that truly mean? The love that Jesus is talking about is hard for us to understand in our English translation because we miss out on the nuances of the text. In English, love is love is love is love. They love chocolate. I love music. He loves his parent. She loves her dog. We love God. Love is described, love is used to describe the emotional connection which we have when we have a feeling that we are drawn to something. However, in the Greek language, which is the language the New Testament was originally written in, there are three major types of love. Eros is the root word for our word erotic. It refers to a passionate physical attraction one might have. And the second is Philia. Philia is an affectionate love we show to our family, our friends, and those close to us. Philia is at the root word of the word philanthropy. It's how we care for one another. And the second, the third, sorry, the third part of love described is agape love. This is the love that is found in our text. Agape is a universal, unconditional love that is present no matter our circumstances. Agape is powerful. It's transformational. The love of God, the love of the divine, divine love, if you will, it's described by action and not so much feeling. Jesus showed agape love to everyone he encountered. But more importantly, Jesus is the example of agape love. He is God's revelation of love to the world. Jesus spent his life healing the unclean, eating with sinners, and speaking up for those often marginalized by society. He even went as far as laying his life down for the rest of us. Jesus was so in love with God that his love manifested and overflowed into love for the world and we are called to do the same. It's hard for us to imagine that level of love, but let's see agape love in work in our world today.
Church, what spiritual disciplines can we carve into just a little deeper so that we may stay in love with God, so that when we do, that love will begin to overflow into love for our neighbor? And what more does our world need than the powerful, transformational love of Christ? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, amen.